Welcome to Pipeline, Profiles in Philosophy and Education. I'm your host, Winston C. Thompson. Pipeline is a monthly short-form interview program focused on contemporary scholars. For more information and to subscribe to the podcast, please visit pipeline.fm. Pipeline is made possible by the generous support of the Education Department of the University of New Hampshire. This episode, we're joined by Claudia Rutenberg, University of British Columbia. Claudia Rutenberg, thanks once again for joining us. So I'm eager to know, how did you get started doing work on education from a philosophical perspective? Yeah, I was introduced to philosophy in my high school, which was an international baccalaureate program at an international school on Vancouver Island, um, and absolutely loved philosophy as a course. Then abandoned it for a while and through an undergraduate program in informal education, focusing on um, art and culture and educational programs done by typically by art institutions. So in that roundabout way, came back to philosophical questions about education. Yeah, the pro- my PhD was in an education faculty that didn't have a specific philosophy of education program, but that was very open to people asking philosophical questions. Yeah. Oh, yes, um, I see. And so the questions that I started with were... Uh, about narrative and narrative conceptions of identity, and they turned into a critique of narrative conceptions of identity. Sure. <laughs> but that's I didn't know that when I applied. So, <laughs> well, isn't that interesting? I mean, you know, we often find that our questions change, but uh, there are always these threads connecting us to some of our earlier concerns. You know, I'm wondering, are there any ways in which your early interests in philosophy have kind of translated into your present work on education, or any connections that you can think of? I think one thing that has really stayed with me is a very fond memory of how my high school teacher introduced us to philosophy. Because we were, you know, 16, 17-year-old students, and we were reading primary texts. And she made philosophy something that was not intimidating at all, and that was not esoteric at all. And she was a very down-to-earth woman, taking care of little kids, and, you know, switching from reading primary texts of Kant and Nietzsche and Aristotle and whatnot to, you know, changing diapers. And she was so grounded that it never made philosophy scary for any of us. And that is something I have wanted to continue to do, is to demystify philosophy, to say, listen, these are questions about why we're here and what it means to lead a good life with other people and so on, that people everywhere around the world of all tribes and colors and histories and cultural backgrounds have asked throughout throughout history. It's just that a particular contingent of people has called this philosophy. And so to demystify that and say these are not, this is not a highly technical um, set of questions, but these are questions I think a lot of us ask. And here are some ways in which we can draw from traditions to ask these questions in a more pointed way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I very much like that description of the uh, uh, work that we do. I wonder, these very human questions that you suggest, um, in what ways, if at all, are they sort of guiding your own scholarly agenda? Yeah, so one of the one of the concepts that I uh, worked with in my dissertation research was the concept of hospitality through Derrida's ethic of hospitality. And in my dissertation, I, I used that concept to look at conceptions of identity. And by the end of my dissertation, I was really quite tired of the concept of identity, but not at all of the concept of hospitality. So I've continued with that and and, um, am about to finish a book project on that. And I've I've really, for me, I've come to the the point of, of saying, listen, the fundamental gesture of education is one of welcoming newcomers into the world. When we're looking at kids and and what our responsibility to kids and other other newcomers is, listen, 
kids are thrown into this world. They didn't ask for that. They're thrown into a world that has already been shaped by generations before them. And so we have a responsibility to welcome them into this world in such a way that they can make a, make a life for themselves there in ways also that may include changes to the world into which we've invited them. And so how do we strike a balance between initiating them into the world as it is and, and giving them space to change the world to make it theirs? That's a question that Hannah Arendt has asked. That's a question that I found Derrida's concept of hospitality to be very, very apt for delving into more deeply. But I think it's a very fundamental question of how, how do you know how do we navigate between freedom and constraint? Um, and, and how can we honor the responsibility we have to, to, um, to those who've come into this world after us? I mean, we've only inherited it from others. Sure. This place is not ours, sure. right? We are just, we've been received ourselves. We are guests ourselves. How do we, how do we carry it over to the next generation of guests? Um, and how do we give them enough leeway to say, yeah, I want to do a couple of things differently so that I can make a home here for myself. Yeah. And, and I wonder if, if, if this hospitality or this practice of being hospitable, um, if it is, to your mind, unique and valuable uh, because of that distinction um, uh, in responding to these concerns, or is it is it simply one way amongst uh, very many others? I think it's one It's one way among many. And I think that you know, quite often I, I tell my students there are multiple ways to 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 attack similar questions and sometimes you just have to go with what body of work speaks to you and it's probably not the only body of work that would allow you to tackle those questions but if it speaks to you then then work with that Um, i found hospitality in the way derrida talks about it really powerful because it's all about the other and not about the moral self so it completely, it's not about how can I be as good a person as I could possibly be as a moral question, mm-hmm. but really, you know, how can I be as responsive as possible to the other? It's not about me. It's all about the other. I, the self is always secondary. Mm-hmm. So it's a quite a, a radical decentering of the moral self. Mm-hmm. The self is o- only emerges in response to the other. Mm-hmm. So it's not about, well, what kinds of things do I need as a host? Sure. Or what? how do I expect my guests to reciprocate? Those are not appropriate questions in that model of hospitality. Mm-hmm. It's all about the responsibility of the host to the guest. Mm-hmm. I found that quite, it's a very demanding ethical framework, but I found it um, quite powerful to think about in education. Yeah. So I take it that the educator occupies that role, right? The hospitable party in relation to the invited persons, the students. Um and you mentioned that this is is quite demanding, and it, it does sound so. Um, could you expand a bit and tell us what's required of the educator in this in this framework? Yeah, I mean, one of the questions that uh, that I've been asked multiple times sure. is, isn't this a bit much to ask? Especially thinking of how hard the job of teaching is these sure. days. And I remember one place where I presented this work, somebody said to me, um, "I don't so much feel like a host as like a prison warden." Oh, interesting. And people said this whole metaphor of hospitality sounds a bit romantic, and so right because the people feel that as teachers themselves, the spaces into which they are being received in the profession and in by their by the policy environment are not very hospitable. And so if you do not receive a hospitable reception yourself, it, it's harder. It doesn't absolve you of the responsibility, but it sure is harder to then turn around and offer hospita- hospitality to somebody else. So I'm I'm aware of that difficulty and and yet I can every time I come back to the same point. It's like you know what? The kids didn't ask to be here. They didn't ask to come into this world and we have 
our fundamental responsibility, no matter if it's hard on us, mm-hmm. is whether we're parents or educators, sure. is to make sure that they can make a life here or to help them see what needs to change in order for them to be able to make a life here. Mm-hmm. But yes, I definitely acknowledge that there are all kinds of uh, contexts and circumstances that make that very hard for educators. And for me, that doesn't so much expose how quote-unquote impractical this hospitality as it exposes the scandal of how poor our educational environments are. Ah, yeah, now that's a really interesting point for critique. I I, I wonder, are there any ways that you see this project moving forward in the future, uh, um, either uh, directly related to your work or other projects uh, uh, tangentially related to this core in a broad sense? So, of course, I have no idea whether or not this work will get any uptake sure. by others. If so, that will probably drive, you know, if I do further work on it, quite often it's when your work gets um, uh, hopefully read and then critiqued by others. That gives you an opportunity to work on it further. So I don't know uh, where that may or may not go. One of the things that's a more recent direction for me is I've become interested in medical education. Okay. Through just serendipity, really, um, I've landed in medical education. And so I'm beginning to work on philosophical questions in medical education. So medical education scholarship is becoming increasingly interdisciplinary, but still quite dominated by psychology and cognitive psychology. And philosophy of medical education is not a very well-developed field. Um, but, But there are questions that arise in medical and health professions education more generally that I think are very interesting for philosophers of education. So one of the papers that I'm working on uh, right now that I, that I will be presenting um, is if you take this framework of hospitality, um, what, what would it look like to work with a double gesture of hospitality? Because if I'm a medical educator, I need to, uh, my fundamental gesture of hospitality needs to be to the patient and to my student's patient. And yet, in my capacity as educator, I also have a responsibility to the medical student or resident qua student. So it's not only that I need to kind of teach them to be as hospitable as possible to their patient, I also need to offer them hospitality into the profession. How do I balance these two gestures of hospitality? Uh, Because in the end, patient, client, student well-being always matters most. Um, And so here... Ethicists and other kind of philosophers have looked at medical practice and health health practice, but there hasn't been as much work on health professions education. And I think for me, this the fact that you're dealing with somebody in both capacities, they're like they're a a practitioner in training, but they're also a student. Mm -hmm. And in their capacity as a student, they still need to be received into a profession. Mm -hmm. And how might we think of that profession as a place that is, on the one hand, quite well circumscribed for really good reasons, for reasons of safety of practice and so on. Sure. But on the other hand, it needs to remain open enough as a as a place you know where people are being welcomed to change because professions have changed, thankfully, over time. Sure. There are certain things we don't do anymore in medicine that we used to. And so new practitioners have to also be able to come into a profession and change it. Mm-hmm. So for me, there's that double gesture of hospitality in yeah. professional education uh, generally, and in, in my case now, I'm looking at health professions education. Mm. So I'm trying to bridge those two projects. Yeah. Now, as you're bridging those projects, I wonder uh, if you have any thoughts about the future of philosophical work on education uh, more broadly. Are there any questions that you see looming on the horizon, uh, topics that philosophers need to engage um, relative to educational research? 
Yeah, I, I don't think I can claim to have an overview that's sure. broad enough to know sort of where the whole field is going. I, I do think there are a couple of things that I see um, more conversation about that I think are really interesting. So there's there are people working on intersections of philosophy and qualitative research. Mm -hmm. And I think that's quite interesting to see them not so much as philosophy only doing that, what you know, has both been called under-laborer work, sure. to help clarify people's concepts so that they can go off and do better research, but actually forms of qualitative research that are blended with philosophy. Mm -hmm. People have talked about normative case studies, and Walter Feinberg has done a philosophical ethnography, I think. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's work like that that's being developed. And perhaps in relation to that, I recently wrote a bit about what I think is the promise of situated philosophy. Um, and again, that's related to... Uh, that recent experience in, in medical education, where I think working with questions that emerge from practice um, and, and really sort of immersing oneself in the practice to see what questions come from that and to work with practitioners um, is to me very interesting. I don't think it's particularly new. I think sure. people have done that for a very long time and it probably sure. comes and goes. Yeah. But I do think there is, is sort of legitimate caution about um, the, the philosophy of education as a derivative of philosophy approach. Sure. The sort of let's always go to the philosophers with the big names from the philosophy departments sure. and then let's write an implications for education section at the end. So I, I think that people have, have raised legitimate concerns about that approach. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the other ways indeed of doing it is, is to, to look at questions that, that emerge from practice and then to draw larger philosophical questions from that. Um, and I think situated philosophy is is an interesting direction that I see more people pursuing. Yeah. Claudia Rutenberg, thank you so much. It's really been a treat to chat with you. For more information and to review previous episodes, please visit www.pipeline.fm. A very special thanks to Moby for use of his song Summer as our theme.